Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Ecstatic, Aaron. It's the only way you could describe it. We're less than 24 hours as we go to recording at 9.30 Wednesday night. We are less than 24 hours away from the first football game of the year that really matters. We've seen a couple of high school games out there and uh, in, in the uh, social network and a couple of college uh, games we've seen, but the NFL starts again tomorrow night with Kansas City. Uh, in, uh, and I'm going to let you you announce this one, Aaron, because I hadn't heard that until we just be, before we came on air. So uh, there's a there's a special special name for tonight's game or tomorrow night's game. Yes, well, it's been coined the Son of a Mitch Bowl because it it pits, of course, the two quarterbacks that were most famously taken in the 2017 draft after him, one Patrick Mahomes and one Deshaun Watson, both newly minted by their teams uh, with enormous contracts. And uh, so it is the Son of a Mitch Bowl because when you see those two, you say, son of a Mitch. And that was, uh, I believe, named by Tom Waddle, of course, of Bears lore. Good old Tom. Good for something, huh? Hey, we got we do have a lot to talk about. Obviously, uh, do, since we, we just got done talking about Mitch, of course, uh, over the weekend, Mitch was named the starting quarterback over Nick Foles by Coach Nagy. Uh, the roster cutdown happened this weekend. The practice squad was formed this weekend. Uh, the first depth chart came out uh, just uh, yesterday, uh, I believe. Um, we just mentioned NFL starts this week. So uh, we're going to go over who uh, we think are going to win this uh, week one's round. And, and, um, you know, one of uh, one of our uh, another one of our friends from our show posted um, a question: What does Mitch need to do in order to get the press off his back? And and uh, or at least he was asked the question, and he had a very interesting answer that uh, I want to talk about. And uh, um, hey, we have a little frivolous thing going on, of course. Um, the the Bears just announced what uh, what jerseys they're going to be wearing during the year, and for those of us that really like the throwback jerseys uh, from the 1930s, 
uh, that debuted at the Bears Centennial Celebration last year in Rosemont will make a return at least once this year. The alternate jerseys will be another, the alternate orange jerseys will be uh, worn a couple of home games, of course, and we'll get into that a little bit. And uh, and then we'll, we'll also talk about the uh, the injury report for, for Wednesday's game uh, came out. Of course, Wednesday of, uh, of each week is when the, the first injury reports do come out for the, for the games upcoming. So uh, there was a couple of surprises on that. So a lot to talk about. And because we have so much great things to talk about, who should we have to, to come on as our guest, of course, but our number one fan of the show, uh, the one and only Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron, the editor-in-chief. Lester, good evening. What's happening, guys? How y'all doing tonight? Doing great, man. It's always good to have you on, and uh, we are we're right on the doorstep of uh, a place that many, I think, thought we might not ever get to, <laughs> and that is the NFL 2020 season. Yeah, we made it. You know, the, the COVID was able to stay away long enough, and... You know, I think the the NFL guys are all smart, and I think I think that's pretty much what you're going to see with with these uh, with them, and, and and as well as the college guys, and even the high school guys. I saw a, a tweet out earlier today that, you know, I, I'm not sure what state it was, but but something where where everyone every game played, there were no uh, no positive tests. So I think the I think football players are taking this whole thing seriously and are being smart with what's going on right now. Absolutely. In fact. They uh, they just released uh, the some statistics. They being the NFL, uh, just released some statistics about uh, how many thousands of tests that they've done since training camp began, and uh, they, they were delighted to to see that there was only one player that tested tested positive during the entire training camp. So um, we can only hope that that trend continues. Uh, throughout the entire year, but now, you know, we're going to be getting out of our bubbles as it were. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, half the teams that are playing each weekend have to travel. So let's hope that those, uh, whatever protocols that the NFL has put in place certainly have worked. And let's hope that uh, the, the hotels are being prepped uh, so that they're going to be as sanitary as is the uh, players' facilities around the league will be, but uh, it it does uh, give us some hope that we've got some exciting things happening. And in fact, we're going to actually see a game played tomorrow night with fans in the stands. There won't be a lot of them. There's only going to be what fourteen or fifteen thousand people in the stands, as opposed to you know damn near seventy thousand that that Arrowhead holds. Uh, and what is usually the loudest place to play in the league, uh, it's, it's not going to be the same. So that's going to be interesting to see if that home field advantage holds true, which has been a concern uh, around the league, uh, whether or not the uh, there's going to be a home field advantage. And, of course, later on in the year, as, as hopefully more and more fans are allowed back in the stadiums, uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens. For example, the Packers are not letting anybody in their stadium. The Bears aren't allowing anybody in their stadium. Uh, the Bears don't play Green Bay until November, 
But Green Bay doesn't come to Chicago until January 3rd, and hopefully by January 3rd, the uh, stadium will be full. So, so a lot of a lot of interesting things uh, because, as we all know, this uh, this COVID virus thing has certainly been a fluid situation uh, ever since uh, you know ever since January when it first leaked out. So it'll be interesting to see. What's first on the docket there, sir? Well, let's see. Uh, first on the docket, what do you think it should be, guys? Uh, you know, obviously, it, it's got to be the decision that was made uh, before the weekend, which kind of surprised me after um, we had a press conference where Coach Nagy said, we're going to give the guys, you know, th this is today's our last padded practice. We're going to give the guys some, some, uh, you know, some time off over the weekend. Uh, we, the coaches, are going to sit back and, and review every single play uh, of camp that involved every, every drop back, every read, every throw of both quarterbacks, and then we're going to make our decision. So, uh, Lester, we thought that, for, for example, we wouldn't maybe hear who the, the quarterback was going to be until maybe even today. Uh, but it came out this past weekend uh, saying that, uh, in fact, Mitch is the guy. Yeah, I was a little surprised it leaked as early as it did. I mean, when, when they asked the, the, the Bears about it, uh, head coach Nagy said that, you know, uh, he'll announce it Monday or, or Wednesday at the latest. Um, but, of course, it leaked out Friday, which – you know, I, I I never thought that they actually had to go through and watch all tape. I figured they had their their uh, the, the, the 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 QB one named, you know, before that, you know. But I just didn't think it would leak. Um, I thought they would want to kind of do it a little differently. But hey, it, it leaked. However, it happened. It leaked out. Um, and you know, to, to a man, you know, the coaching staff, the GM, the players, you know, they all say it was Mitch. So it's uh, it's going to be Trubisky. Let's ride with Trubisky. Aaron, here's the here's the interesting thing, and we talked about this on, on other episodes. Is the players know? Everybody says this everywhere. The players know who the best guy is, and if you choose one over the other, without it being in fact the best, uh, there's going to be some grumblings. But in fact, in this case, everybody seemed to be you know in lockstep with the fact that Mitch was the guy. Well, uh, I agree with you, although I don't think that with this team there was going to be any grumbling, uh, at least in, not in the preseason, no matter who would won. We wouldn't have seen that. It, it doesn't surprise me that both guys got, you know, throughout the process, got accolades, uh, you know, ladled onto them by other players. And, I, I mean, it was all just – to me, it was it was pretty meaningless. Like, players are going to do that. We have a team that we're lucky to have with a lot of good guys on it. So, as far as, like, there being a mutiny, like, if you know, it was so close that I don't think that would really – be the case like if it was clear that one had one i mean this this was as close as close could be they had 10 padded practices uh zero live defense they did their best i mean they would have loved to have had foals in here earlier but between having a baby and covid and all of that just wasn't to be so they did the best competition they did and mitch stepped up um, you know, and he, and he won, it was close. Every single person involved said it was close. 
Uh, and at this point, you know, it just makes the most sense to to go with Mitch. And I think it, their intentionality behind this whole thing was always to give Mitch one more chance. That's why Foles is here. Foles was not brought here to be a, a complete and clear-cut replacement, in my opinion. He was always brought here with a dual purpose. One was to to force Mitch to play better. Another was to be the backup. And if it didn't work out, either to injury or, you know, um, he just doesn't play well enough, well, we know what Foles is capable of as a backup quarterback. So, I mean, it, I'm not – I don't feel like – now the Bears have a great quarterback. <laughs> I feel like, okay, the kid earned another chance. I mean, I don't know why I call him a kid, but uh, the guy earned another chance, and we're going to support him no matter what. Uh, you know, that's the way I've always felt. Um, you know, but I, I guess I think it's, you know, to sit here and go, yes, now the Bears quarterback situation is solved before we see him even play, I can't go there. No, you can't, absolutely. Lester, the, the quarterback situation is far from solved, obviously, but uh, uh, here's here's something that, that's, uh, you know, a fun thought. Um, we know that Coach Nagy likes his uh, gadgetry, for lack of a better word. Uh, how many how many times do we see both Falls and Trubisky in the, on the field for the same play? And do we see it in week uh. one? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it's possible. I mean, you could always do something like that. You know, I, I personally would rather not see that. I think you're asking for trouble if you have them both in there because then, you know, one's obviously going to be either receiver or runner. And, I mean, if, if you're scrambling, that's fine. Or if you're, if you're Mitch and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're getting, you know, drop back and you have to run, that's fine. But but if you're back there, as, as you, like I said, either a receiver or a, or a tailback, I'd rather not see that. But, I mean, it's possible. With, with Coach Nagy, you never know. I mean, he may have some stuff up his sleeve. And, you know, there could be a, a, a crazy Philly special type play in the works. You know, who knows? Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're not going to go that route in the first game. I think I think Nagy's well aware that, that he needs to prove himself a little bit more before they go back to this trickery stuff, you know, um, because I just think that, you know, I, I think that stuff only works when the offense is rolling and it's, and everybody's confident. And then, you know, from a fan standpoint, not that Nagy's really concerned about the fans necessarily, but it just, it's, it's very deflating when those trick plays get tried and they don't work. Like, you know, so it's like, I, I for one hope there's n- none of that. Um, you know, my hope for this offense this year is that we see a steady offense that doesn't need trick plays, you know, um, that'd be my, Uh, the irony of this whole conversation just now is this, we all know we can literally, if you say Mitch's best game is a bear and we're all going to go directly to the, the game in 18 against Tampa when he threw for what five or six touchdowns. Um, it, and it was that game that Mitch and, and Chase Daniel were on the field for one trick play together. So interesting, interesting topic that I, I wanted to throw out at you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the Bears, uh, Bears Twitter can be uh, a friend or foe of uh, any, any team, anybody on the team. 
uh, Bears Twitter can can go after for no uh, no in particular reason, and they they've been obviously very brutal with Mitch Trubisky. So I, I did throw out a poll that uh, uh, I, the final results just ended right before the show started. And I, I just asked this question. Now that we know that, that Trubisky was the starter, uh, what's the Bears record going to be in, in 2020? And the, the, the answers were 12 wins or better, 11-5, 10-6, 9-7 and seven or worse. And 20.5% said 9 or 7 or worse. 7% said 12 and 4 or better. And 36, the 11 and 5 and 10 and 6 actually were tied uh, for, for second place with over 36% of the vote each. Uh, Lester, I, I was pretty surprised by the overwhelmingly positive Bears Twitter <laughs> on this poll because you know, Mitch uh, or Aaron and I talked a little bit about it before the show, so I wanted to get your thoughts. Why do you think the, that the Bears fans, as negative as they have been, with, with Pace should be fired because of this or that or every other blessed thing under the sun, Nagy's, Nagy's a bum, Mitch is a bum, but yet overwhelmingly 80% of, of the respondents came back saying the bears were going to be 10 and six or better. I mean, it's, this is the time that, that all, all NFL fans have hope. I mean, right now everyone's zero and zero. I mean, honestly, there's probably only like four or five fan bases that really think their team is going to be awful this year. Everyone else, you know, I truly believe that they have a shot. I mean, the bears, you know, they still have one of the best defenses in the game. You know, they went eight and eight last year with, with a terrible offense. So, you know, if Trubisky's improved, like like the coaches and the players, and and you know, like that he thinks he is, you know, maybe they do win nine, ten games and sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I also, as I was saying, to you Mike, before we started, I I think that there's a there are many people on Twitter that are passively just watching and clicking on polls who will never type out something negative. And so I think, and I think that we see this about Bears fan base is that the negative people are the loudest, and then also they're the ones that get yeah. that the sports radio people put on the air. You know, it's like every time we get in this thing, it's like I don't know who bitches more, uh, uh, Twitter about sports radio or Twitter about everything else. Like it's like, do you guys really still not understand how radio works? That that their goal is to get you to listen and to talk about it. Like, like there's nothing better for a radio programmer to sit there and go, all the lines are lit up. Twitter's talking about us. Ever Twitch is chatting away. Like that's their goal. And, and yet Bears Twitter's like, why are they always putting on these Mitch haters? It's like, what do you think is happening? So I think as usual that Bears fans are are mostly positive and hopeful every single season. I mean, it's it's kind of what we do. We come back every year. And so I think for the most part, people are supporting Mitch. And for the most part, people feel positive about this season because at least we have the defense, you know. 
And that's that to circle that back around to this complaint about Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy being fired. The reason that Pace is not on the hot seat, and I will firmly argue this to anyone that he is not on the hot seat, is because of this defense, which the team knows that he built. And they believe that he got them Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack is the biggest star on the Bears, as much as everybody wants to pretend it's Mitch Trubisky. Khalil Mack is the biggest star on the Bears. He is the only player that fans of other teams, casual fans, know about. Other than Mitch, they know about Mack. They don't know about anybody else, the casual who's not like a fantasy nerd, you know, that's what they know. And and I think that Pace has made this organization extremely relevant and I imagine profitable and modern and everything else. And, and, and short of this season becoming like just tire fire, he's not close to the hot seat. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me, I, I feel the same thing. Unless there's, really a disastrous season. You know, I can't see Pace or Nagy going anywhere. I mean, Ryan Pace helped get the, the whole uh, uh, re- uh, redone at, at House Hall. I mean, that whole that whole facility is, like, beautiful now. I mean, that had, that had a lot to do with Pace. You know, he like you said, he built this defense. You know, he, he brought in some weapons on offense. And, you know, Pace will always be judged on his quarterback, which is, you know, it's a quarterback-driven league. That's how pace will always be judged. So until he figures that spot out, you're going to have people just, you know, just don't like him. But, but yeah. overall, you know, his, his drafts have been, have been pretty damn good. You know, if you look at his drafts from top to bottom, you know, you, everyone wants to talk about how he's missed so much, but you know, he, he has some, some uh, Smith has, has been a, de- a decent player. Yes. Kevin white was bad. Adam Sheen was bad, but he's got white hairs. got Daniels in the second round. So, you know, he has enough hits in there where if you look at other general matters run the league, you know, they, they, their hit rate is far worse than what, what, what Pace has. Again, the problem is Pace, he picked the wrong quarterback. Right. But I think you look at Pace's as, as an organization, what he does as an organization is just so strong. And I think that, like you said, as long as the team is respectable on the field, I think that he's fine. I mean, you see yeah. all the things that he's doing. You see the way the team is putting out this, you know, this, uh, this big piece about Champ Kelly and, you know, uh, they brought back Harry, Henry Burris, you know, to be, to be a coach and, you know, they're doing all these progressive things. They're just, they're just an extremely modern forward thinking organization right now. And that is because of Ryan Pace. This is not a bears thing for them to be this, smooth and savvy and like i mean they may not be doing it on the draft room and on the field but from an organization standpoint like this is a high class well-oiled organization from a pr standpoint nobody's you know like i mean they just they're 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 to be envied and and let's not pretend like the bears have always been that it's always been like mom and pop you know shake your head uh, screw up the coach hire, you know, <laughs> like it's just, it's always been kind of a, a, a train wreck. And I just think under pace, it just feels like a real deal modern team. Yeah. I mean, the, the culture for sure has changed. If you look at the, the Trespan Emery era, you know, from what it was then it was, I mean, that was just, 
I mean, that was bad. The entire organization stunk at that point. I mean, the Bears were, were, were a laughing stock at that point, you know. And then with when Pace came in, it, it took a while to get things how I wanted. But I think, you know, John Fox at the time kind of helped, helped right the ship a little bit. And, you know, that he, he wasn't obviously the, 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 the long-term answer, you know. But, you know, he has his guy in place now on Matt Nagy. You know, again, it, to me, it, it all did come back to the quarterback. And until he gets that, that spot figured out, some fans are just going to hate him no matter what. You're absolutely yeah. right. You know, let's let's talk about Nagy for a little bit. Obviously, uh, last year was a down year for everybody, and and you know there was no exception when it came to the head coach. Uh, he uh, his his play calling was predictable. You uh, know, and again, I don't know if it was predictable because his his offensive line was was so inept, and he was trying to to call plays to hide that. Uh, but let's go back to when he was introduced uh, in January of, uh, of 2018. Uh, his from his very first press conference, he lit up, lit up Hallis Hall and every single person that was in that room during, for that press conference. And Lester, I don't know if you were if you were physically there or if you were just listening in like I was. Everybody, everybody, let me repeat that. Everybody walked away going, wow, there's, this is a brand new era in Chicago. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've always been so happy with who he is as a, as a orator and a leader. I feel like he's, his honesty sometimes gets him into trouble um, because he he just can't be – I mean, he honestly just can't be as honest as he wants to be. I think he would love to just – I mean, he would love nothing more. And he joked the other day that they should have a post-film Zoom, and he would do it. If the team would let him and it made it didn't make, like, total strategic, you know, uh, anti-sense to do it, he would love to do it. Like, you know, he would – this guy is a guy who loves nothing more than to just talk ball and would love to – he would love to really explain all the stuff and blow people's minds, you know, because you know, he's got some kind of like, uh, you know, you know, finding goodwill hunting, like ability to, to rattle off these plays. I mean, he could do all the, all the Sean McVay tricks, but he's not a, you know, he's not Sean McVay. He's not going to be like a punk kid like that. You know, he's, he's, a, he's more of a, he's a little more close to the vest, you know, not showing off his, his, uh, you know, his tricks, but I'm sure he's got all that in the bag, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a coach that they're proud to have, you know, like he's, he's a guy that, that the players, uh, respond to and they've said, you know, I mean, they haven't said, but you know that they're just extremely thankful for the two guys that they have running this organization during this time period. I mean, that's that's the reason this is working. And I mean, the NFL all around should be commended, as we've said. But I just feel like the McCaskies have to be extremely proud of this organization, the way they've handled it, all of this. And not to mention being in Chicago, a complete hotbed of all the social justice, you know, stuff going on. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, I think Nagy, same deal, you know, imperfect, just like Pace. But a young, promising person who they, I believe they see the long view on both of these guys. 
you know, and and I hope they do because I look at a guy like Mike Tomlin and I'm so jealous of the Steelers for having that stability in him, you know, and I would love it if we could if we could have a, a coach for 15 years, you know, although I don't know if the fan base would be able to survive that. But, um, you know, I mean, it was nice when Lovey had been here for a long time. You kind of knew, you know, it just it just got to be where it was like, OK, this isn't something we're particularly worried about all the time. So. I mean, I, I, I think Nagy has a lot to prove this year, but again, I don't feel like it's like, or else. Yeah, when you, when you look at Matt, at Matt Nagy, I mean, uh, when I was watching the press conference earlier today with Tariq Cohen, you know, it kind of dawned on me, you know, when, when, when Cohen was talking about stuff that's going on with the team, you know, he always refers back to what, what coach told him. And when you think about it, a lot of the players in the press conferences they have, they're all saying that. They're all saying what, what, what coach told them. And I think that, plays along with with the with the culture they have in the locker room. You know, they all believe in the message they're hearing from Coach Nagy. And I think that kind of comes through with the players. And and that's why, you know, even though last year there was such a a, a, a really a, a rough year on offense, you know, there was no division in that locker room. I mean, Coach Nagy kept everyone together. You know, he 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 had the issues obviously with the offense, but no one ever was 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 complaining about it in the press. Everything was kind of, you know, kept inside, and and I think that's again part of that culture that was built there, and in, in the uh, for the organization. You brought up uh, Aaron. You brought up Lovey Smith uh, just a couple of minutes ago, and and Lovey's career in Chicago lasted nine full seasons. Um, he's probably only third on the list behind Ditka and, and Coach uh, Coach Hallis himself in terms of tenure as a bears head coach. And, uh, you can, you might want to mark this, this tape at 10 5 PM on nine, nine of 2020 <laughs> Matt, Matt Nagy will eclipse the tenure of Lovey Smith as a bears head coach. Hope so, man. I mean, I think that means success. Like I would love, you know, as uh, as much as people want to say, you know, this or that about the drafting. And I just, I would love to see the arc of these two guys. Like, I think these two guys, especially with how well they work together, I would just like that. Like, I think, I think their organization would be in good hands for the next 10 years if these two guys were in charge of it. And I, you know, because they, I mean, look at Andy Reid, look how long it took Andy Reid. Like, it doesn't always happen, you know, so quickly. In fact, most of the time it doesn't. I mean, nobody wants to talk about Belichick when he was a a bad coach in Cleveland. And then, you know, I mean, you know, it, it takes a while. Like, we want this to be instantaneous because all of a sudden they were 12 and 4. Like, it doesn't work like that, you know. I mean, the Chiefs just won after 50 years, and Andy Reid, you know, had to get to the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb at the Eagles, and then finally rebuild the whole other team, you know, at, to get there. So it's like I just I hope somehow that the organization that I'm right and the organization sees that these guys are the type of people to to, you know, have be cornerstone type of pieces, you know, I just, I, I think, I mean, you say that, Mike, and it does, you know, people might think you're crazy to say that, but I hope that's what happens. Like, 
changing coaches all the times is not a sign of a healthy organization like, at all. I have been called worse. <laughs> oh man. Hey, Lester, the, uh, the, the roster of course came out and uh, with everything else going on in, in this world with COVID being uh, forcing everybody into different things. We basically, we had no preseason games uh, and we, you know, we could, we had before training camp started, they cut the roster from 90 to 80, and then they didn't make any other cuts until the very last week of camp, and they announced the, the roster on Saturday. Are there any surprises on the roster uh, based on uh, you know who made the team and, more importantly, who we thought might have made the team but didn't? I mean, the, probably the big surprise to a lot of people was, was uh, you know, the rest cut Kevin Tolliver. A lot of people thought he would be in the mix to start there, you know, along with the rookie Jalen Johnson, um, based on a, a, a couple games he had in the last couple of years here. But, but at the end of the day, you know, the Bears decided to move on from him. He never really uh, had a chance to, to, to shine during camp. And, you know, he, I guess the, you know, they brought in a, a free agent, Artie Burns. And I mean, he was given a shot ahead of Tolliver. So that kind of should, should, you know, that, that should kind of show you how they thought about Tolliver's chance of doing the job right there when they had Burns, the guy running with the ones first. So uh, was it a, a little bit of a surprise? I guess, yeah, because I mean, he was a guy that came back, but. But but ultimately there really wasn't you know too many big surprises. I mean, it was it's a pretty pretty standard uh, move they made. I mean, um, they cut uh, uh, they, they kept James Vodders instead of Isaiah Irving who was injured and they ended up uh, I guess he came back but they let him go when he, when he passed waiver. So you know not too many big surprises in, in the uh, in the makeup of the roster. Yeah, I agree with you. Tolliver was surprising. I, I really thought Tolliver was going to challenge um, Jalen Johnson for that role, but it seems that he, I mean, from, you know, from a few different accounts I heard about, he was not, he didn't have his head on straight really um, just in terms of uh, competing. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously the guy has talent. He's on the, he, he got picked up by the Broncos uh, practice squad. So hopefully, um, you know, Ed Donatel and Fangio can get him sorted out. Maybe he'll find himself, you know, back on the, on the roster. Um, so yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, but like you said, Artie Burns having gotten those first reps kind of was confusing. And then, um, you know, Jalen getting kind of brought along slowly, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, I thought, you know, it was nice to see Duke Shelley finally come up. Um, and get on the roster, you know. Um, so the cornerback position is interesting. It's it's really young now, um, you know, which is it's it's good. And I'm also a little scared by it. Um, but I I feel good about Jalen. I think he's really confident, and you know, I think that I think you need to have that in a in a cornerback. So um, <clears throat> I think I, I'm excited to see him play. You know, it it could be. Um, that he ends up playing the number three overall pick and looks better than him uh, in Jeffrey Okuda. So that's going to be exciting. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting, and everybody's kind of been going back and forth about the running back situation, um, that they you know, they really didn't make any moves. I, I, I was a little bit surprised maybe that Pierce ended up on the practice squad, but they named him as one of their protected guys. Um and then, you know, everybody was sort of assuming that Montgomery, his injury was 
pretty serious, even though they never really announced anything. Um, so everybody sort of has been assuming that, uh, you know, they would need to pick up a running back or this and that, but they held Pat and um, they did keep five tight ends. So I would say because they kept five tight ends and they kept uh, nine offensive linemen, um, they, you, you can really see this, you know, 12 and 13 personnel um, idea kind of fleshing out within the roster. Like, I think we are going to see a lot of two tight end sets. Um, so that makes sense that they kept five. And, and so you saw Sobert um, make the roster. I mean, you know, what a, what an enormous tight end group we have. So that's, that's pretty fun. Um, and then uh, Arlington Hambright, I thought was interesting, um, <clears throat> you know, finding his way on the roster. Um, I mean, you know, not only a small school guy, but Colorado hasn't produced much NFL talent of late. Um, so I think, you know, and then you saw Lachivius is on the, um, Lachavius Simmons is on the practice squad. So a lot of, you know, this is, everybody says pace needs to hit in the draft and whether that's really accurate or not, this seems like a draft where, you know, we're going to get a lot of his picks producing right away. Absolutely. You know, you, uh, you started talking a little bit about the practice squad and, and I think that the Bears uh, have done something interesting with the practice squad because you can bring up two uh, players from your practice squad each and every week, and they can immediately go back to the practice squad uh, the, after the game without having to go through waivers. The Bears had to put Eddie Pinheiro, uh, they, they kind of put him on the shelf for a few weeks, He's eligible to return after, what is it, uh, Lester, three weeks this year instead of eight? Yeah, it's uh, three weeks uh, due to the COVID. They're like right. uh, teams uh, much more fle- uh, much more flexible this year with the IR. And I think that's great. I-, I would love to see some some semblance of this stick around. I've said for years, you know, having a, a four-man, an eight-man, a 12-man, or, or I'm sorry, a four-game, eight-game, 12-game, 16-game, I think that's that's the way your IR should be. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So so obviously they're they're going to bring Santos up each and every week until Pinero's ready to come off injured reserve to be their kicker and put him right back down. Or they might shuffle some other people around. Uh, you can bring up one. You know, the, the obvious is bringing up a a offensive lineman uh, from the practice squad uh, because you can dress extra. You know, what is it? They went up to. Uh, what is it? 40, 55. 40? Yeah, you well, can have 55. 55 week and then 48 game day. And 48. Yeah, if you have at least eight offensive linemen active, you're allowed to have right. uh, that extra guy. So, I mean, the Bears are set because they have, I think, nine on the active roster. So, so right. the Bears should be set where they should be able to address that extra guy uh, each and every week. So, so they did a lot of they did a lot of good things. So, the we, only. We, I was ahead, just going to say. I was going to say the only question that I still have is when Marky Christian comes off of the two-game suspension, will he, is somebody going to get bumped, um, <clears throat> you know, and the, and the question would be, you know, who would that be? Um, you know, you have uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, who's uh, pretty important to special teams, and then you have Sherrick as well, um, who might be the candidates. I think they'd probably go down to eight offensive linemen at that point. Um, but he's he's a guy that and he's kind of a surprise. I mean, they sort of picked him up mid camp. Um, 
And uh, so that's, you know, I think that's an interesting um, player. And Pace mentioned that, uh, you know, they have a lot of safeties that can play corner. You know, he mentioned that specifically. Um, so I think, you know, you're going to see um, a lot of that big nickel, you know, um, where they where they may have three safeties in the game, um, you know, at, at certain times when they go into nickel. Uh, which would be interesting too. Just is that I've seen a lot, of, a few people talking about: Are they going to start running more of a three-four um, because of Goldman being out? But then they picked up Edwards from the Saints, and so I thought maybe not. Um, but you know, I don't. I was going to ask you, Lester. What do you think about that? Do you think that we could see like a hybrid four-three-three-four, like shifting between the two because? You know, I was looking at the defense that Baltimore used to run when Bagano was the was the head coach, and they did a little bit of that. Um, but they had, you know, I mean, they had like a Haloti Nada in the middle. So, but we have yeah. a key hits. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I think one thing with with teams, you know, most teams don't run, you know, their base much, you know, these days anyway. I think the Bears only ran their their, their 30 front base, I think, you know, uh, 30 percent of the time last year. So, you know, so so most of the time they are in a, in a four man front anyway. And then you got, you know, the the two edge guys, you know, mm-hmm. Quinn and Hicks, and then you're gonna have you know the two D tackles in the middle there. So, you know, you, you may see a little more of that than, than usual. I mean, I think especially with Quinn because he has that defensive end, you know, background, or he has you know been a linebacker, but he's also been a defensive end with his with his hands in the dirt. So. Right. You may see some more straight up, you know, 40 front stuff from the Bears. And, and I think that's fine. I think they're built for that. I think with Hicks, I think that with Nichols, I think, you know, they have the right, right guys where they can be really flexible up front. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to see that Nichols was first on the depth chart in front of Jenkins. I don't know how much there is to it. I'm sure there's going to be a decent amount of rotation um, on that. Um, you know, so it's probably not that big of a deal. But, I mean, it seems like they're really – happy with Nichols progress, which is exciting because he was a promising player. And then he kind of spent most of the last year sort of hurt, um, you know, and then he was suffering from McKean not being in there, but I thought that was interesting. And then it'd be interesting to see what our, what Edwards, you know, cause he, he was a, he's a guy that I read is, you know, he's really just a numbers kind of a cap thing. Like they, they don't want, they didn't want to lose him. You know, he's not a, He's not a guy that that they had they dropped because he wasn't good. Um, the Saints are just in cap hell, so you know they were trying to 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 move heaven and earth and do trades with the Jaguars to get Clowney on the team because they don't have any money. Um, you know, so uh, Edwards I think <clears throat> is a good player um, who I'm sure Pace is very familiar with with all the Saints connections, but uh, I think. I think that's a, a sneaky um, could be a sneaky pickup, um, you know, because you look at the you look at the defense and, and the roster. I'm the only thing I'm really still worried about is Iggy and Woods being our in, interior uh, linebacker backups. Yeah, those guys are really inexperienced there. Woods, uh, I don't think has ever played on defense in an NFL game. Uh, and then with, with Iggy, I think he only has a few snaps. So, yeah. I mean, but, you know, the Bears are confident. I mean, the Bears, you know, they really like what they saw out of both those guys. You know, they, they kind of been, been talked a bit in camp. 
Um, I think with Woods, you know, he was a, a, a converted safety. Uh, it took him a few years to kind of learn the position. But, you know, when you when you watch those preseason games, and, of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like most people. I like preseason games. I like watching those young guys play out there. Yeah. Uh, so when, when, when you go back to a, a year ago with, with Woods, you know, he looked good in preseason playing in, at, at, at that spot. So I think his skill set will translate. Um, I just hope we don't have to see him, you know, for extended period of time, uh, right. like we did last year. I think Roquan and, and Trevathan, you know, those those are one of the the better uh, uh, inside uh, backer duos in the game today. And I think if they stay healthy, it's really gonna help this defense. Yeah. Yeah, and Kwiatkowski just got named a captain for the Raiders, so um, good for him. But I was, you know, watching his off season and thinking, boy, it looks like he's, you know, putting on the COVID twenty and. Um, looks like he turned it around in, in, uh, in camp and, you know, is looking to, to be the man there. So that's cool. I was, I was glad to see that, but you know, it would have been, he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, now sitting here with this extra $16 million we got, <laughs> it's like sure would have been nice to keep him, you know, like, I think that that was like maybe a luxury they could have afforded, but hindsight's always 2020. It always, always is. Let's let's take a look at at the depth chart to uh, just to uh, start us off since we've been talking roster. Uh, of course, you've got Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, Bobby Massey, uh, Jermaine Effetti is your starting right guard. Cody Whitehair uh, is your center. Left guard is James Daniels. The tackle, of course, is Charles Leno. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is your starting quarterback. David Montgomery, Anthony Miller, and Ted Ginn. Uh, so if you're if you're going to start uh, with uh, with your your 11 personnel, that's who you're going to run out there. Of course, we don't know the the status of David Montgomery. We probably won't know the status of David Montgomery until game day. Uh, but when you take a look at, you've got Cordero Patterson backing up Allen Robinson. And then, you know, on, on tight end, uh, you've got Cole Komet behind Graham with Demetrius Harris, third string, and then Holtz and Saubert, uh, you know, backing them up. And you, and you might see Holtz on the field um, lining up as, as a fullback uh, for, for this team. Richard Coward is your backup for both right tackle and right guard. James Daniels is your backup for Cody Whitehair. Uh, you've got Alex Bars, then Arlington Hambright backing up James Daniels at left guard. You've got Jason Spriggs as your left tackle backup, Nick Foles. Of course, we know our other two running backs, of course, are Tariq Cohen and Ryan Nall, uh, much to the chagrin of somebody out there. Javon Wims backs up <laughs> Anthony Miller. And then uh, behind, you got behind Ted Ginn, you've got Darnell Mooney and Riley Ridley. Uh, so it was interesting to see that both Wims and Ridley made the team. We were just talking about this in last week's episode that uh, one of those guys appeared to be on the bubble, but they both ended up making the team on offense. Yeah, uh, I you know I like I like the group. I mean, I think I think you know with these receivers, the only people that really have any have proven anything are you know, Robinson and Miller and Ginn to some. You know, obviously he's been around for a long time. Uh, I I I'm just curious as to I mean we, you know we we've surmised as many have have done that they're going to be running more 12 personnel and that's going to be one less receiver. So 
you know, who's the one that that uh, loses the snaps? I kind of think it's probably Ginn, I would imagine. I mean, I was imagining the 12 personnel being, you know, Robinson and Miller and then, you know, Komet, Graham, and then, you know, you got your back, um, uh, you know, as, as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 I don't know how many, if there's going to be enough footballs to go around for all these guys. Uh, Tariq Cohen did sort of let it out of the bag that Montgomery's doing pretty well. Like he, he, he said that uh, the media made a bigger deal of the injury than it was. And that, you know, he's, he's looking really good. Now he said he was, um, he w- he thought he would have a really good practice today, which like today was like a stretching and walkthrough uh, thing, so it wasn't like a full practice. But um, you know he was he was listed as limited. Uh, I think Montgomery's fine, and I think the reason you know he's fine is that uh, they haven't made any moves. Um, you know because if he's really hurt and they really haven't picked anybody up, even if it's just Spencer Ware or you know somebody. Uh, I think that would be a mistake, but I think he's all right. I think, you know, it was sort of just looked bad and it was, it was caught on video and, and, you know, Schefter was all over it. So, I mean, they've never really said that it was some huge deal. Um, So I think he's going to be your, I think he's going to be your, your starter. If it had been more serious and Lester, I want you to chime in on this. Uh, it had it been more serious, and the actual uh, muscle had ripped away from the bone, he, he wouldn't be walking. He would have been un, under uh, under the knife with a surgical procedure, and he would have been out for probably the entire year. So it's good to see that we, even though he wasn't a full participant, Lester, uh, he was listed uh, as a limited participant on the injury report. Yeah, I think we'll find out more, you know, as the week goes on. Um, you know, they'll have uh, uh, obviously the, the the final report will be on Friday, and and we'll see. I mean, if he's if he's a full goal, then obviously we know he's going to play. But I have a feeling he'll stay limited all week. You know, I mean, I don't think it's as serious as like I said, as as, as you're saying the media made it out to be. Um, but he may miss a game or two. I mean, I think if, if he is only going to miss one or two games, I think they'll be fine with what they have. They'll bring up uh, uh, Art Pierce, the rookie, and I think they'll just go with uh, what they have in house. I think you're right. Yeah, what I'm just hoping is that they find, like, I want I want them to have formations that they run multiple people out of instead of having guys have their own packages, because I think that was what was so predictable about them, and that has been my fear with Corderell's. It's like, when he came in the game last year, it just felt like everybody knew exactly what was going to happen. It was going to Corderell, like, whether it was going to be a jet sweep or what. It, what it was, it didn't really matter, but it was like as soon as 84 walked on the field, everybody in the stadium and on the defense knew that he was probably going to get the ball, and it seemed like he always did. And sometimes it worked, and he had some nice plays, and then sometimes it was brutal. So um, I just hope that they've – and, and he's, they've alluded to this. Um, you know, little pieces of things are coming out, you know, that – that that is the case that they've you know that they've got a really um, kind of uh, offense that uh, has some duplicity to it you know um, where they can you know or where they're going to run lots of different things out of the same formation which I think like I'm so happy to, if that's the case. Yeah, you have to go ahead. Go go ahead, Lester. You know, I think with Patterson, I think I think the fact that he worked with the with the tailbacks, you know, all through camp. 
And I think that's that's his best position in the NFL. I think, you know, like you said, you know, when, when he does come in as, as a gimmicky guy, you know, it's it's a tip off. But if he's mm. just coming in, if he's coming in as as a, a guy in, in, the, in the tailback rotation, you know, now you don't know what's going on. He's just back there as a normal running back. And I think if he understands the the protections, the blitz pickups, if he understands his job as a running back, you know, you're going to see him, you know, playing as that reserve role. Maybe you know five, six, seven, eight, you know, uh, 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 carries a game, and I think that's exactly going to be the best thing for him. You hit the nail on the head. Both of you did. In fact, I believe it was Tariq Cohen that was quoted saying, "Our running back room, anybody can do anything in this room. So it right. doesn't matter who we have on the field. We can run every single play in our book." And you know, to your point. Aaron, you know, how many times did we sit back and last year during during this these episodes saying, oh no, here we go again. You, you got Cordero Patterson lining up behind center. Uh, as long as he doesn't run a fourth and one play like he did against Green Bay on opening week, we're okay. But to your point, uh, it seemed like we kind of we we we. We got put ourselves in the corner. We, sorry, Coach Nagy put himself in, in a in a corner by his by his his personnel schemes and packages that were too predictable. Well, and yeah, and, and I think that the problem I, I that what Nagy has is that too many of his plays are dependent upon the previous play. You know, so and and then it, within that there were too many personnel changes and and you know so on and and I know that he cut that way down by the end of the year, but it was almost too late um, because none of the stuff that he had in at that point seemed to have any juice to it. You know, even though there were some bright spots, but like I feel like you know if you if they can simplify the formations but run multiple things it's it's kind of like i, I don't know what, you know i liken it to pitching like the best pitchers are able to throw multiple pitches out of the same arm slot and that's what's so deceptive and i feel like from a defensive standpoint if if you look at the formation and you really don't know what's coming that's the mark of a good offense, you know, and it's like, for God's sake, if something works once, do it again, <laughs> like do it until they stop it. Like that's the kind of offense I want to see them run. It's like, you know what, that worked. We're going to do it again right now. And that's what, you know, that's what the old Bill Walsh offenses, you know, did. And that's what Belichick does. It's like, we're going to do this play until you prove you can stop like, and that's what I'd like to see. Like, cut the cute crap and just, you know, bludgeon some people. Even if it's with passing, I don't care. But, you know, stop. It's like Nagy kills me because we'll have a great first down, and then here comes a stupid jet sweep for no damn reason. It's like you didn't do anything like that that got you 60 yards down the field, but now you want to get cute to hit your home run. It's like, you know what, get you know how to score, get eight first downs. <laughs> like, that's how you score. Like, it, it, but I don't know. That's my rant. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bad rant, but, but you make a great point. Lester, I'm, I'm going to ask you to chime in on this one. Uh, let's go back to play one game one, Matt Nagy's very first year as head coach. 
It's it's in Green Bay. It's a Sunday night game, and he lines up in a T formation to pay homage to George Halas, and they called it Papa Bear left. But the play ran for seven damn yards. It was a successful play. You know how many times we've seen that same formation in the last two years? We've seen it one other time. One other time. Yeah, and he still talks about how how they had it blocked right, but it just didn't go. Like I'm like, you know what, man? Like just just figure out some crap that works. Well, they had, yeah. they had a play the very first play against against Green Bay last year was a play that was blocked perfectly, but Tariq Cohen dropped the ball on a right. on a, on a right. sweep to the left, and That's he fumbled he fumbled the ball, and then we never saw that play. We right. saw we, several times during the game against the you know the the game that that is Trubisky's marquee game against Tampa Bay, you saw several times where they ran trips to the right, where the two receivers on the outside ran goal patterns. They, the guy on the interior closest to the line ran a wheel route behind those guys and was wide open. We never saw it. We, we haven't seen that. I don't think we saw it more than twice all year last year. So, you know, part of the reason is the Buccaneers were really, really a bad team that year. I mean, that, that defense was horrendous. I mean, if the Bears yeah, played the Bucs every the, week, it'll, be, it'll work for you. But, you know, you still, you, you can't, but you can't tell me you, you don't run that play against, you know, especially on man defenses, which Detroit runs all the time. You can't tell me that that play can't be run you just run it against a bad defense you've got to be able to run those same plays and dictate to the defense what you're doing well, that's, well, that's, that's one of Cohen's main routes the wheel route. I mean you you see yeah. him time to time it just you know sometimes you know the quarterback doesn't really hit it I mean there was a few times last year when the, when the wheel was open and and the quarterback either didn't go his way or, or he, he missed him. So, right. well, you know, but, it, it has to work. You know, the whole offense has to work. It's not just, you know, the plays have to be the, the perfect play. You know, the players have to execute as well. What yeah, you're going to see this year, though, which hopefully, I, I hope we're going to see, I think we're going to see, is you are going to see big-bodied tight ends that command attention, regardless of, what kind of routes they run. I don't care if you run two, six, five dudes up the seam, my defense is going to go, Whoa, <laughs> like we have to cover those guys. So it's going to cause havoc. You know, you, you got linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks and who knows going to have to worry about these dudes uh, out in the, in, in patterns, you know, or being outlets on third downs. And that's going to just change so much like just that loosening up of, you know, of that is going to make such a huge difference in every aspect of things. I mean, I think people forget that, you know, when everything was going at its best for Matt Nagy, Trey Burton was at his best and, you know, also Mitch, but as you know, when Trey Burton got hurt, then that was the beginning of the end. I mean, you know, they tried to put Shaheen in there and run all those Trey Burton plays, including that little shovel pass. And, and, and you just, you know, Shaheen is a bum. Like, you know, he, he couldn't do it. So, 
you know, that was like the beginning of the end and, and they never, I you know, they just failed pace failed or whoever failed to address the tight end position in 2019. And like, you know, everything crumbled out from that. And that's why I think overall, like Mitch winning is good and it's fine, but he, I think has a more um, set set of offensive players and, and a higher caliber set of offensive players from the offensive line, you know, onward than he did in 2019. So I think that's going to, that's going to help him a ton. You're absolutely right. We've been talking with uh, our pal, Lester Wolfong from Windy city gridiron. Uh, we're going to take a pause to hear from our sponsor, ticksplits.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the depth chart on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about our picks for the week. Who's going to win what game? So we'll be right back after we hear this from Tick Splits. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Welcome back to the Halitech Hall Show. Ticksplits.com. Make sure you use the promo code TAILGATE because there are tickets available for a lot of games. There's uh, several, several, several teams that are allowing fans in the stadium and hopefully more to come. Uh, use TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all in caps and save 5% off of your entire purchase price. And once you get uh, us to 1,000 followers on Twitter, uh, TickSplits.com is, is providing us two tickets to the Bears-Packers game in Chicago for the 2021 season, which we'll be giving away once we hit 1,000 followers. Uh, Lester, we've been talking a lot about the offense, but the, uh, uh, the, the cream of the crop is, seems to always be in Chicago is uh, other than the uh, Tressman uh, era was, uh, is of course the defense. And uh, it's great to see Akeem Hicks back in the lineup, but he of course is uh, our defensive tackle. Uh, and he's the, I think he's the, he's the stir that uh, he's the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to the uh, defensive front seven, really attacking the quarterback. Uh, Bilal Nichols has taken the place of Eddie Goldman at nose tackle uh, Roy Robertson Harris is our starting defensive end. Our outside linebackers are, of course, Roquan Smith and uh, Robert Quinn with, uh, I'm sorry, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn with Roquan and Danny Trevathan on the inside. Uh, we have two new starters in the defensive backfield. Of course, Kyle Fuller is our, our CB1 and Eddie Jackson is our safety, but Tayshawn Gibson beat out the end. Bush to be the uh, safety opposite Eddie Jackson. And as we talked about earlier in the show, Jalen Johnson beat out uh, Mr. Tolliver and he ended up off the team. Uh, we, and one of the things that we talked about, we didn't talk about earlier was uh, one of the things that might've led to Tolliver's exit from the team 
was not only Jalen's presence and what he's done on the practice field, but Kendall Vildor got a lot of positive press, even though he is currently third string at quarterback behind Duke Shelley and Jalen Johnson. So let's go over the, uh, the rest of the squad. Backing up tight defensive tackle is Brent Urban. John Jenkins is Bilal Nichols back up at nose tackle. Uh, Mario Edwards is uh, Roy Robertson Harris's backup. Then you've got Travis Gibson behind Khalil Mack. You've got Josh Woods. You got Iggy. You got Barcavis Mingo behind Robert Quinn. Uh, and then the last uh, last guy in the linebacker group is James Vaughters who kind of made a mark for himself last year during preseason. Of course, he didn't have preseason this year to, to make his mark. Buster Screen backs up Kyle Fuller, but of course he'll be in a lot in nickel packages. And we might see uh, Vildor in nickel as well. Dion Bush is in DeAndre Houston Carson backs up Tayshawn Gibson at safety and Sherrick McManus and Duke Shelley are, are the other backups in the defensive backfield. So uh, this is this is the the this is a team that could be easily a top five defense uh, this year. Yeah, I think last year they were top ten DVOA. I think they might have been eight, um, if I remember correctly. And then the year before that, obviously they were the best defense. And you know, I think they're going to bounce back this year. I mean, a lot of it, you know, is going to come down to health. You know, if these guys stay healthy, but. You know, on paper, you know, this defense is better than they were a year ago. Um, if you look at the offense, I think the offense, you know, should be a little more efficient, which should, you know, keep them on the field more, keep the defense fresh, you know, make it so the defense is not always, you know, playing from behind. You know, so if that's the case, you may see the sacks pick up, the the, the picks pick up a little bit. So I think that's uh, that, that should bode well for this defense overall. Aaron, turnovers are going to be key this year. I think that uh, uh, one of the you – know, Everything failed on offense, and, and that includes getting the ball in decent field position uh, after a turnover up from de the defense, which we didn't see a lot of last year. We saw plenty of it in 18. And, you know, and of course, in 18, our offense played a lot better than it did in, in 19. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what field position the Bears defense gives the offense in 2020. Sorry, I was going to say, yeah, I think they are going to uh, certainly buck the trend of the turnovers of 2019 and return to form, not to the record uh, levels that they did of 2018, probably. But, um, you know, it's just going to be like you said, it's going to be so important for the uh, offense to get them a lead and so they can, you know, let Quinn and Mac really, you know, pin their ears back and go for the quarterback, um, you know, because what you what you don't want to have happen is they they just don't get enough pass rush downs, uh, and I think that's, you know, it's it's now finally been like subtly confirmed that Mac was hurt all year, um, which we knew, but you know, but we didn't know because he, you know, it was just a secret, like you know, some kind of um, super secret, but we know that. And we also know that he just didn't get in a lot of chances. I mean, you know, they just did not have a lot of pass rush downs to even work with. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, that's the, the biggest 
thing that they have to get is you have to have those opportunities. You can't just rush those guys every single time because NFL offenses will figure that out and a good quarterback will, you know, uh, will kill you. One of the most important things that any team can, can have happen for them during the course of a game is to force the opponent's offense to be one-dimensional. And the Bears failed to do that most often last year. So they could run on passing downs. They could pass on running downs. And when you can mix things up and be unpredictable on offense, your defense is going to stay on the field. And that's what we saw a lot in 2019. So getting a couple of scores up on a team in the second half is going to force them to be more one-dimensional, which opens up that that pass rushing attack. And and despite the lack of of acknowledgement nationally, I could put our front seven against any front seven in the NFL, and they're going to hold their own. Yeah, I think if you look at this front seven, this may be the best front seven the Bears have had since, you know, possibly the 80s. I mean, if you look at what they have, you know, on paper at least, you know, they have two legit pass rushing threats on the edge. They have Hicks, who is, you know, one of the best guys in, in the inside. Then you have a lot of youth with Nichols, Robertson Harrison, and, 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 and with uh, with uh, Roquan Smith there. So, I mean, there's they have a, a really good chance here. You know, like I said, they, they should definitely be another, at least a top 10 defense again. You know, if, if things go right, if the offense clicks, and if, if the sacks are there again, you know, those, those, those picks will pick up again. The force fumbles will pick up again. And like, like Aaron said, it's all about getting after the quarterback. If they can do that, you know, this defense will be back where they were. Aaron, you're on mute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's same thing. I mean, it, it all just feeds off of the pass rush. So, um, you know, I, I hope that um, we can stay in that situation. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, I love the Quinn signing. I think it's going to be fantastic for us. Having these bookend pass rushers, I don't know when the last time the Bears really had this high quality of, of bookend pass rushers like this. And then, you know, of course, you got Akeem Hicks filling out the rule of three. And, I mean, it's going to be pick your poison, um, you know, in terms of who you block. And, you know, I think it's uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how teams – will go against that um you know they're they're certainly not gonna uh they're certainly gonna have to worry about it and and if mac is healthy and as motivated as it seems that he is and then he's got a guy across from him you know who who has a very similar style of play and motor it's gonna be frightening i mean that's you know that's what i'm most excited to see obviously the offense is important but I'm good. You know, give me 22 points a game. I'll take my chances with our defense. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to week one. Uh, and of course, today on Wednesday, unless you're playing Thursday's games, uh, Wednesdays is when the first injury report for the upcoming week comes out. And there were some surprising names on there. Uh, we talked about it before the show. Um, you know, Robert Quinn was a non-participant. He was the only bear that did not participate in practice today. Of course, we know that he's been brought along slowly by the team. And I don't know if this is a flare-up of his ankle, Lester, or whether it's just precautionary. 
but it was a surprise to see both Quinn and Mac on the injury report. This is the I had hadn't heard about Mac being dinged up at all during camp, and uh, so it was a little bit surprising to, for me to see that that Mac was on the injury report as well as uh, a couple of other guys, Jermaine Effetti, our starting right guard. Uh, although he was a he was marked as a full participant, uh, Jason Wims, who's not going to see a lot of action anyway, but he's got a strained Achilles, it looks like, and he was limited. Uh, our our backup tackle, Jason Spriggs, was limited with a knee. Uh, Cordero Patterson was limited with a knee, and of course the the one that we did know about, of course, was David Montgomery and his string groin. So what are, what are your thoughts, Lester, about this injury report, most importantly, Mack and Quinn? Yeah, I was a little surprised when Mack was on there. We haven't heard anything about him, you know, during all of camp. Uh, with Quinn, though, I mean, like you said, you know, Quinn was brought along slowly, um, but then when the Bears did that scrimmage at Soldier Field, he was like, he was a full participant. He had, I think, you know, two or three sacks that day. The, the, the beat guy said he looked awesome. Um, and then we didn't hear anything else about it. So, so maybe he's just kind of one of those vets where he just kind of gets held out every now and again. Um, he is 30 years old, and I know the Bears have done that in the past with some players. Uh, so, again, we'll see what happens more as, as the week progresses. I mean, if he's still on there as a, as a no-go, I mean, that's obviously real bad news. But, but if he can practice, I think he'll play on Sunday. I feel like sometimes these injury reports are really just this sort of um, – extension of uh, yeah well i just think that they're kind of bs because it's a protocol you know if you're going to limit a guy at practice you have to say why yeah right like you can't just be like limited for no reason you know there's a protocol to it so it's like they decided on a wednesday that robert quinn wasn't really going to practice so they got to put some reason you know and the reason is yeah well the last couple days his ankle's been bothering him like i don't I don't know. Pace said he's not worried about this guy. Like this is this guy's in his eighth season. You know, you could like he's the kind of guy that I feel like he could get step out of a car, step into his cleats, and go get the quarterback for any team anywhere. He just hand him a helmet. Like you know, it, it's it's not like I'm not worried about him. I am a little concerned to see Mac with a with an injury designation next to his name because you just don't see that. Um, like that's just not something we're used to seeing. I mean, we know he probably played hurt last year, but you just didn't see his name on the injury report very much. So that's a little bit concerning. Um, but again, I think both these guys are going to be out there. Like I would be shocked if either one of them was not out there. Like, I think they both can't wait to get out there. And as far as Quinn, it's like, you know, I, I think they put him in there for that scrimmage because they wanted him to go get the quarterback you know, to, to give, to give uh, the quarterback a challenge, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not worried about that. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I, I feel good about both of them playing. There were some, some names on Detroit's injury report. I don't know if either of you guys saw that today, but um, uh, Kenny Galladay is nursing a hamstring and he was limited in practice today as well as uh, aging veteran, uh, but savvy receiver Danny Amendola also nursing a hamstring. Uh, safety CJ Moore, their tight end Hunter Bryant, did not participate due to hamstrings. Uh, so um, 
that uh, that that poses some interesting questions for Detroit as well. Everybody is talking about the the return of Matt Stafford and how they're going to really tear up the Bears' defense. But if he's got uh, he's got limited receivers in Amendola and and his number one target Galladay, uh, what does that bode for the the, the Detroit offense? Considering the fact that even when healthy, Matt Stafford has never done well against the Bears' defense. Yeah, I think the bigger issue for the Lions this week may be at, at right tackle. Uh, uh, Vitae is nursing a foot. I mean, uh, if he's slowed at all going against Khalil Mack, that's bad news for him. And then you have uh, Akeem Hicks to be matched up against uh, the Lions rookie there on, on the O-line. So, you know, the Bears, again, we're talking about that front seven. If they're able to get after the quarterback, I mean, I know Matt Stafford is one of the, one of the, one of the better quarterbacks in the game when he's healthy. He had a really good start to his season last year. But if, if the Bears are getting after him, the Bears are harassing him, you know, I think the Bears can, can, uh, can get this game and, and get, get a W. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to, to uh, note on the Detroit uh, injury report. I was sort of surprised to not see Akuda on it because he has been a little dinged up. Um, and he's not listed as their starter on the depth chart, which is sort of surprising. Number three overall pick that they brought in for Slay. But, um, yeah, I, it's like you said, Lester, like Stafford, I don't see how he's going to tear us up. Dude is going to be on his back. Like, it's, you know, I just don't see, you know, it's not like, I mean, even though Stafford's had some decent games against the Bears, the, the Bears have won the last four games against the Lions, and Stafford played in two of them. So, I mean, you know, and, and we didn't have, I mean, I just think that, like, the Quinn and Mac thing is going to be insane. Like, I just, I have this feeling that it is going to quickly be, must see television like stop what you're doing and watch Mac and Quinn do their thing um you know and so I'm I'm just excited for that and and whatever else comes is going to be gravy that the the Lions running backs are a concern and they went out and signed 35 year old Adrian Peterson um because you know uh, DeAndre Swift is hurt and uh, I can't remember the kid's name. The the there's a they 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 got a short yardage back, um, and he's also injured as well. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's uh, you know, the Lions have been trying to get the run game going. I feel like since Barry Sanders left. So it's <laughs> it, whether or not that's going to happen this year. I don't know. I mean, have, have they have they have they finally had a thousand yard rusher? Since he left, did Carry On finally do it? I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I think they're still <laughs> they're still chasing <laughs> like the curse of Barry Sanders. So now they got Adrian Peterson. So we'll see. I don't know what you know. What you think he's gonna get any carries? I don't know. So are either of you guys betting men when it comes I, to laying some money down on on games this week? I like to talk about it. I don't like to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I, I haven't really done it. So, although this year I have looked at some of the odds, and you know there are quite a few where I'm thinking, man, I, I really should uh, buckle down and, 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 and throw some money at something this year. So Mr. Uh, Mr. Michael put a $50 parlay card on the following. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the over on the Texans-Chiefs game. For tomorrow night, it's uh, 53 and a half points. 
I took the. I have three points. Getting, I'm getting three points for the for the Bears. I took the Bears plus three over the Lions. Uh, I took the 49ers have to lay seven against Arizona. Uh, that might be a stretch, but I did take 49ers minus seven over Arizona. Uh, the uh, the Cowboys are playing the Rams, uh, even though they're on the road. The Cowboys are a two point favorite. Yeah, so I I I opted to take the Cowboys because there's a lot there's a lot of press about the Cowboys this year, especially with that wide receiver room being what it is, and Dak Prescott really wanting to to have a hell of a season to get his contract. Uh, then I took the Raiders minus two and a half, uh, and the Seahawks minus one. The Raiders are in Carolina, and uh, who are the Seahawks playing? Well, they're playing uh, in Atlanta. So uh, $50 parlay. I'll let you know what we did, how well I did uh, next Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, let's just say if that parlay card comes through, I'll be a real, real happy man. <laughs> okay, so that leads us to our final segment of the evening, and, and that's our week one picks. We're going to go through the entire schedule, one of the few times all year, especially at the beginning where there actually is a full slate of games. So, of course, tomorrow night, Houston travels uh, back to Kansas City for a, a playoff rematch against the Chiefs. Um, I took Kansas City. Aaron? Yeah, I'd probably go with Kansas City, but I do think Houston's going to cover. The Kansas City is favored by nine and nine points or something like that. Um I, I like them to to cover, um, so I would take Houston and get the points, um, but I don't think they're going to win the game. And Lester, who you got? Yeah, we're just uh, doing we're just doing straight up. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm straight up. Then I'm going with the Chiefs straight up, but I I, I do agree with Aaron. I think the uh, I think the, I think the Texans will cover. So we we all three agree that uh, the week uh, week one game one goes to Kansas City. Uh, now the uh, the Sunday games, Philadelphia travels uh, up the road to visit the Washington football team. Uh, Aaron, who's your pick for this game? I am picking an upset here. I think Washington is going to win. Uh, Philly's offensive line is kind of in shambles, and um, I just I, I don't know what's going on with their defensive backfield. And I just I think this is going to be a weird game. I think it's going to be like a maybe a close, low-scoring game. And I feel like somehow, some way, that the Washington football team wins. And Lester. Uh, yeah, I got Philly. I'm just, I don't trust the quarterback in Washington right now with Haskins. I mean, you know, I kind of got to see it to believe it uh, and until I see him play well, I think it's not that good. And I think the Eagles have enough on defense to get that one. And I'm going to go with Philadelphia as well. Um, another Sunday game. Uh, this, this could be an interesting game as well. Seattle travels to Atlanta. Uh so Lester, we'll start with you. Who do you got and why? Uh, I got Seattle. I just think they're, uh, they're they're too good of an overall team right now. Atlanta, I mean, they're kind of up and down every year. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm sure they'll bounce back from what they did last year, but the Seahawks are just too damn good, and they got Russell Wilson. 
Aaron? Yeah, Seahawks are going to be nasty. They, <laughs> they have they have weapons everywhere. Um, so yeah, I I would like to you know I wonder sometimes you get that um, that West Coast team traveling east and playing in the early slot, but you know uh, Pete Carroll is actually immune to that. So uh, that's one of those betting things you can't can't follow with uh, Pete Carroll teams. So I'm Seahawks. Interesting, interesting. So, yep, Seahawks it is. Uh, This could be an interesting game, especially uh, with, again, the preseason hype that Cleveland is getting. But Cleveland has to open up in Baltimore. I've got the Baltimore Ravens. Same Baltimore. Yeah, the Ravens. That's Lamar Jackson and company. I mean, they're just too damn good. An offense, and then and then the, they have a really good defense too. I mean, a lot of people talk about that offense, but you know they had one of the better defenses in the league last year, and you know they'll be just as good this year. Well, and then they picked up Clayus Campbell like they needed that. Yeah. I mean, good lord, the rich got richer on that one. Like that's just <laughs> <laughs> that. Then they, yeah. I mean, they were they were uh, there was talk that Baltimore had a had a backdoor deal maybe for Clowney that they were kicking around with Jacksonville involved, um, you know, so that would have been insane. So we've all got Baltimore, right? Yeah, easily. New York Jets are uh, opening their season against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I took Buffalo. Yes, of course. Yeah. The Jets are trash. <laughs> absolutely. Not even, yeah, that's, that's no brainer. And of course, of course, the Jets will win that game, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> they, just, are, they are yeah. playing in Buffalo. Uh, don't know that there are no fans allowed in that uh, in that uh, stadium. I know that all the New York uh, teams are not allowing any uh, any fans, at least early on. But if um, Buffalo wins that game, it's going to be panic at the disco for for those fans. It's going to be trouble. <laughs> So now this is going to be this is an interesting game because the Raiders have gotten a lot of preseason hype, but they have to travel to Carolina. Carolina, of course, has new coaching staff. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be their quarterback. Uh, I'm taking the Raiders to win this game, guys. Yeah, I, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what Matt Rule's offense is going to look like. Um, and so that's the one thing where I think, you know, West Coast or West West team traveling to the East, uh, you know, maybe the. I mean, I think the Raiders will probably win that game. But it would not shock me if there was an upset in that one. I just think the Panthers are a total kind of unknown commodity. I just don't think they have enough on defense. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think the the, the Raiders are going to win that one. And because the same reason Aaron said is that that Panther defense is just it's, it's pretty bad right now. Um, the offense, you know, probably will surprise. You know, they brought in the, the new coaching staff. They have Teddy Bridgewater now. So, um, but but defensively, they're not going to be able to stop the Raiders. So this uh, team from Chicago is playing in Detroit uh, this Sunday. Uh, is anybody not picking the Bears? 
The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. 42. No. <laughs> um, I'm glad you said that. I actually po- posted on Twitter that I think the Bears are going to route Detroit by a score of 31 to 10. That would be great. Yeah, I got 35 to 10, two defensive touchdowns. That would be great as well because Lions fans, those guys, they talk even when they suck. So it would oh. be good. To, it'd be really good to see the uh, the Bears really put put it on them. I would love it. Wouldn't we all? Uh, wouldn't we all just love to see New England get off to a terrible start? They uh, they play at home against Miami, so uh, I actually have Miami as a, as an upset. No, Man. Miami's so bad. <laughs> Their roster is so but my, bad. But but my but Miami. Didn't they beat New England? Yeah, in Miami. If if they were playing in Miami, I'd give you that upset because it, it, the early season games at Miami is, has a ridiculous home field advantage. But, you know, going up to New England, I mean, the, the Miami roster is atrocious. Like, it's Brian Fitzpatrick and Jordan Howard and, like, nobody else. Like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I, the, only, the only way I see the Dolphins winning this game is if Ryan Fitzpatrick does does what he what he has done in the past. You know, sometimes when it's early in the year, he goes nuts. So if he goes nuts and has a huge game, you know, maybe they pull the upset. But but I just can't see Bill Belichick, you know, allowing his team with you know with the new quarterback. You know, Tom Tom Brady's gone. It's it's all Cam Newton now. I can't see Belichick not having his team ready. To, to prove to the entire NFL that, you know, the reason they're as good as they were is, is as much bill check as it was Brady. Yeah. I think that's a low, I feel like that's going to be a low scoring game though. I could see like 20 to 10 type of thing. So, uh, in fact, I believe the over under on that game, I was just looking at it is like 40 and a half points. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I'm sorry, it's 40, 42. Hammer the under the over. <laughs> 40, 42 is, uh, yeah, 42 is the over-under. All right, who do we have next up on the, on the docket would be none other than Green Bay traveling to Minnesota. I'm going to go last on this one. So, Lester, I'm going to let you go first. For which Packers and Vikings? Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I originally thought that the Vikings were going to win this game, but, you know, the more I think about it, I got a feeling the Packers are going to, do just enough to come out on top. I mean, the offense, you know, it's, it's not, you know, what, what they wanted it to be, obviously, with some of the draft picks they missed out on. And, you know, but I think Aaron Rodgers will do just enough. And, and that Minnesota defense, you know, may have slipped. It may take him a little while to kind of get up, up to speed. So uh, I think the Packers win this one. Yeah, well, the biggest factor in this game is that the recent addition of Daniil Hunter to the IR. Yeah. Um, he's going to be out for three weeks. So, uh, you know, as much as Minnesota has been crowing about their defense, it's just, you know, it's, it's one step back, one step forward. And now they just took another step back. You know I mean? It's like, yeah, they got Ngakwe, but they lost Griffin. So that's a wash. <laughs> like, you know, they, it, so I, I still, I, I just have a hard time seeing them beating the Packers in Lambeau. If it was at home, I think it'd be a lot closer, but I think, um, I think the Packers will have enough. Uh, this game is in Minnesota. Oh, 
Well, uh-huh. I still am taking the Packers, but not <laughs> nope. as but not by as much. No crowd, so it's, it shouldn't matter with the with the Vikings right. crowd. But I'm, I'm sure that stupid ass horn will still but be the, playing the, right now. The, <laughs> I was gonna say that the skull horn <laughs> will, will be alive and well. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm going to cast a descending vote here. I'm going to I'm picking Minnesota. I, I'm thinking that the you know they the Packers lost an important member of their offensive line in the offseason. They lost their their number one tackler from last year. Uh, they didn't do anything to give Aaron Rodgers the, the toys that he wanted. Um, I think Minnesota had a hell of a draft this year as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Minnesota on this one, guys. I think uh, the Packers are an eight and eight team, so I, I I can easily be swayed. I don't think the Packers are going to be very good at all. They were like the worst thirteen and three team uh, in recent memories since the two thousand and one Bears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I could see it. I could see it going that way. I, I think what you said about the defense is totally true. I don't think. I think they're going to miss Blake Martinez a lot more than they're admitting. Um, and the guy they picked up from Cleveland, they're like, oh, what? Uh, you know, don't know what you're so high about him about. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I would love to. I would love it. <laughs> Even if it's the division, you know, I would love to see the Packers lose anytime they can. Indianapolis is an eight point road favorite. In Jacksonville, is anybody going to pick the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game? I am absolutely picking the Jacksonville Jaguars, and here's why. The Colts have not won there since 2014. So you want to throw some money on a team and take the points, because why not? But I bet you the money line is, is a strong play there, and I've been paying more attention to the Jaguars recently and everybody thinks they're the worst team in football and they just keep shedding players but i'm telling you i don't think the jaguars are going to be as bad as everybody thinks they got they got gardner Minshew, they got dj chark their offensive line is better they drafted lavisca chenault who's looking really good in camp um and i think i i'm i'm picking that upset wow Yep. That that's an upset because the prop the prop market bet on the Colts is minus three seventy five straight up, and it's plus two ninety nine to if you were to choose Jacksonville straight up. So Do I'm, it. Gonna, Put, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one, and I'm gonna take the Colts. Yeah, Lester. I'm going Colts. I think the Colts have too much on offense uh, for the Jags. Um, I do like some of the young players in the Jaguars offense. You know, I, I do like Minshew, and, but I just think the Colts have too much going right now on offense. The Los Angeles Chargers have to come to the middle of the country to visit Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got some uh, some talent on that team with, uh, uh, you know, you got Joe Burrows, you got Joe Mixon, you've got A.J. Green. On offense, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the Bengals on this one. Uh, I, I, I'm excited to to watch Joe Burrow play. I think it's his, you know his rookie years will be really fun. Um, but you know he got a bad matchup. The Chargers have a pretty good defense. 
Um, and then, you know, on, on offense, the Chargers, you know, they, they of course, lost Rivers. They're going with Tyron Taylor. Um, but the Bengals' defense is, is pretty bad. So I, I can't see any way the Bengals pull this one out. I, this is another one that I like the spread on, and I, so I would take the take the Bengals and the points. Um, I think the Bengals are only you know, only getting like three and a half points, but I still think it's pretty good. Um, uh, Chargers, you know, they lost Derwin James again. Um, you know, they, they Mike Williams is is maybe a little banged up right now. Uh, you know, they're they're hoping that Austin Eckler's gonna step up and, and be the man. I just I don't know. I feel like this is a gonna be a weird upset. I am taking the Bengals. Bengals are plus three, Chargers are minus three, the over is uh thirty three. So uh that could be that could be a fun game to watch. Um I just I just re-upped my Sunday ticket for DirecTV since I'm not going to be going to any games this year. And, uh, of course, living where I live, uh, I, I have to be on DirecTV to get the Bears game because the uh, only other game in town at noon on Sunday was be, would be the Packers against the, uh, the uh, Washington, Minnesota uh, Vikings. So... Uh, if y'all want to make the trip over to Monroe, guys, and uh, we can uh, sit back and have some hot wings and some beers, uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're both more than welcome to come on over. Uh, hey, this is going to be an interesting game because the Cardinals, um, they, they seem to start turning the corner late in the year, uh, but they have to travel to San Francisco, and, of course, San Francisco um, this is the year of the, uh, you know, the losing team in, in, in the Super Bowl usually doesn't start off very well uh, the following year. So I'm, I'm going to actually go away from that, and I'm going to pick the 49ers. Yeah, I'm with the Niners. Well, I think they have too much on offense. I mean, that team is, is stacked. I and mean, then they have talent, you know, all, all over the offense, all over the defense. You know, I do like the Cardinals. I think that with, with Murray there, they're going to be a really fun team to watch. And, you know, they're going to really be a big surprise a few games. But week one, I think the Niners are going to have too much for them. Yeah, I'm taking the Niners. Well, that was yeah. pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think they're better. I mean, I just think they're a better team. Um, although I, I, I feel like that the Niners are going to have a letdown season overall. Uh, because I feel I, I'm, I think they're receiving their receiving core is, is a little banged up and uh, you know they they kept three quarterbacks it's a weird roster um, but I think their defense is just so good that it's kind of you know their defense and their run game is so good that that it's going to keep them in a lot of games yep This is probably one game that will be on everybody's minds uh, come Sunday when the uh, the the Tampa Broncaneers <laughs> visit the Saints. So Tom and Gronk uh, coming into the madhouse uh, on Canal Street. Who's going to come out on this one? Yeah, I think the Saints have too much uh, at this stage in, in, in the season. Obviously, week one, um, the Bucks, that offense is going to be fantastic. Uh, the defense still work in progress, and then the Saints are just an overall better team right now. 
Yeah, I think the Saints. Uh, I think the the Buccaneers are going to take a little time to to gel. Yep. Um, so, and I think the Saints. <clears throat> the Saints still have a very good defense. I mean, and otherwise they're still they're just re- they're returning everybody on offense. So, um, you know, and I think it's, you know I I think uh, Peyton's a better coach than Arians too. So there's there are only three uh, late afternoon games on the docket on Sunday. And it's uh, the Chargers and Bengals are one of them. The Buccaneers and Saints and the Cardinals and the 49ers are the only other two. Uh, both those games, the the Bucks, Saints, and the Cardinals and 49ers are the 3:30 games. Um, we've got Dallas in the Rams. So I'm assuming that's the Sunday night game. Uh, Dallas is on the road going to Los Angeles. This was supposed to be the grand opening of the brand new stadium in L.A., uh, but with no fans in the stands, uh, I, I just got to think that with all the offensive weapons that 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 Dak has, that Dallas is going to go in there and, and win this game. Lester? Yeah, the Cowboys have a better overall offense. The Rams... I mean, the Rams kind of took a step back last year, and, you know, I think they may take another step back this year. I mean, they really didn't do too much to improve that team. You know, obviously they have Aaron Donald, you know, who's still just, you know, the premier D-lineman in the game today. But but overall, uh, the Cowboys are just a, a better team, and I think the Cowboys are going to be uh, one of the better teams in the, in the game this year. Yeah. I, gosh, I, I, I don't know about this game. Um I, I would probably go with the Cowboys. And then my gut says the Cowboys, but I think uh, I think the Rams are going to be pretty good this year. I mean, it could be just because I've been watching them on Hard Knocks, but uh, <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I've been watching the Chargers too, and I don't think that about the Chargers. So it's like, well, has has any team been good the same year they're on Hard Knocks? Uh, not very many. Just saying. <laughs> right. I just, you know, I think the Rams were already good, though. I mean, not great, but I think they had a down year. I don't know. I mean, I would lean towards the Cowboys, if, you know. The Rams, the Rams haven't been the same Rams team since they went into Chicago at the towards the end of the 18 season and the Bears manhandled them. Well, and they just gave $71 million to Jalen Ramsey, like, He's good, but man, I don't know. Like they are, they were, they were four hundred thousand dollars over the cap prior to that signing, and that actually got them under the cap because the way they were able to structure it. But, whew, but they got they're going to be. Of money tied they're going to with teams. with him with uh, with uh, uh, you know all the other high dollars they have on that roster. You know they they give they gave a ton of money. To uh, to golf just a couple of years ago, and and uh, you know their their stud defensive lineman did he didn't he just recently resign or is he still on his rookie deal? Oh, Aaron Donald's on a big contract. I mean, they got Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Jalen Ramsey, all on big contracts. Um, you know, there's a lot of money, a lot of money getting thrown out there in, in Los Angeles from the Rams. So oh. they, they better win. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, but yeah, I think they're going to be 0-1 to start the season. That brings us to the, 
The uh, league always has two Monday night games on opening weekend. Uh, it still baffles me to this day because nobody stays up that late to watch the later game. But uh, that should be, that could be the better of the two games. You've got Pittsburgh in the early game uh, traveling to the New York Giants, and you've got Tennessee traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. So uh, I took Pittsburgh and I took the Titans. Same, same with me. I think the Steelers just uh, they're going to be a real good bounce back team with uh, with with Big Ben back healthy, um, and then uh, the Broncos. Um, I don't think they have enough to hang with the Titans. Yeah, I, I think the Broncos were going to have a hard time to begin with. Although, you know, you do, yeah. Who knows what the hell the weather's going to be? It's snowing in Denver right now. It'll be um, 75 come game day. Right. So, you know, there's going to, and it was like a uh, hundred, like four or five days ago. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, after Von Miller basically went out for the season, I think that, that, that settled it. I think it might've been a closer game otherwise, but the Titans winning, um, you know, after they picked up Clowney, um, but uh, and I, I, I like everybody's darling, you know, bounce back pick is the Steelers. And I guess I can see it. But, you know, there's a good chance that that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is really old. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Like, I just I'm not sure if he's just going to come back and do his thing again. I mean, I like their I like their offensive weapons pretty well. Um you know, they have a good offensive line. We know they have a good defense. So I, I guess you have enough there. I, I just kind of want to wait and see it with Roethlisberger. Um, but they're tough to beat at home, so I'll take them. Well, that that takes us to the end of our show. The next time we, uh, we all get back together, we'll be talking about, the, hopefully, the Bears' victorious return to the football field for the 2020 season with a win over the Detroit Lions. Want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com, for uh, always having our back. And speaking of having our back, Lester, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show. I think we uh, we need to get you on maybe even more often during the, the year. Sounds good, guys. All right. with For, uh, for my partner, producer and co-host Aaron Torricelli. This is Michael Halitek saying we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bear down.